Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 25 minutes now to 9 the time. Good morning, time for your Mediated Conversation this Thursday morning. Underway in Joburg this week, the Joburg Film Festival. It's supposed to be an exhibition of films and perhaps a moment to look at the power of films. I mean, it's certainly true. If you go back over the last 50, 70, 80 years, films have defined our popular culture. And for a long time, they've had a huge power. Think perhaps in recent times of the two Black Panther movies, the conversations they sparked about Africa, superheroes and Wakanda. There was also a time when perhaps the most famous people in the world were film stars. They were the biggest and most powerful celebrities on the planet. I don't know if films have that power anymore. They're being replaced. First came the television series and then social media. Now, of course, you can be a star, you can be a celebrity, you can have huge influence just through social media. But it also means we're consuming information differently. We don't sit still for an hour and a half and watch a movie. Rather, we watch short clips on TikTok and YouTube. So then, do films still have cultural power? Do they attract people to cinemas and to television screens, where we've probably watched most of the movies we've seen in our life? Firstly, this morning, from the Joburg Films Festival, Lil Wetu Pakati is their spokesperson. Then... Do films still bring an audience on television? Tinas Ferreira is a journalist covering our film and TV industry and, of course, the author of the blog TV with Tinas. And then the rise of social media. Ayanda Sishi Wigzels, a social and political commentator and freelance journalist. We start then with the spokesperson for the Joburg Film Festival, Lolweto Pakati. Lolweto, good morning and thanks for your time this morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. When you look at the Joburg Film Festival that you're hosting, the movies that are being shown, do films, movies, do they still have important power in our society? Absolutely. Films still have a very important sort of influence and impact in our society. I mean, conversations, narratives, they all spark from the idea of a movie sort of coming to life and being portrayed. It's able to convey a certain message, share a story, explore different themes that filmmakers sort of want to immerse people in. And as much as we like to acknowledge that maybe the format or the landscape of consuming cinema and film has changed over the years, but it doesn't detest the fact that filmmaking and movies and cinema still are a remarkable sort of uh, medium to be able to connect people and also share narratives in our society. Is it the most effective way to tell a story? Um, or you, I mean, in one film, obviously, you'll have more than one story. You'll have several stories. But is it still a very effective way to sort of actually explain something or to explore an issue? It does take a long time to consume and it takes a long time to make. Absolutely. And that's why it's also sort of categorized or considered as an art form, because it does, as you mentioned, take a lot of time, resources and also patience in order to be able to convey a certain idea or message or theme. But I believe that it is the most sort of effective way to because it, you can truly, truly visualize and sort of communicate an idea in a way that's completely different to communicating it, say, just with words or just with purely with audio, the marriage of image, the marriage of sort of storytelling, the marriage of also then taking audio and embedding all these different sort of mediums into one thing to communicate a certain idea or or, or sort of a theme. It's, it's effective through that sort of channel and medium. So I would absolutely agree it's still as effective. You'll probably find that 90% of the movies we've ever watched, we actually watched at home on TV. Uh, does it matter? You're watching by yourself, you're watching with one or two other people, you're not watching in a cinema uh, with other people. Has that sort of changed what a movie needs to do, the way that we experience it? Does that 
I don't know, in a way, change the movies we make? I don't think so. I mean, there's, it's also good to acknowledge that it's all nuanced, right? Um, everyone has a different experience and people go to watch cinema or consume cinema in a different way for different things. As like as much as we like to acknowledge that it's lovely to be in an immersive space, sort of have a larger screen or superior sound system, or maybe you go to watch a, a movie in a cinema for the social experience, you can also consume a movie in the comfort of your own home. You can consume a movie in a way that you find best suits you. There's no rules to the game and you can bend, change it, do whatever you feel sort of pleases you in order to be able to consume a good piece of cinema, be it at home or be it in the theater. I think everyone can just sort of make their own rules and just find something that accustoms them and suits them the best. Can a film still drive social change? I mean, we think of movies, I think, primarily as independent, but some as entertainment, but some have have really driven social change. They put the spotlight on an issue. They reveal something. Sometimes it can be a really good way to sort of understand a particular issue from many angles. Do you think a film still drives social change, even just by sparking conversation sometimes? Absolutely. Um I'm so glad that you even asked this question because it's actually one of the sort of driving themes that we have for the Johannesburg Film Festival this year, which is inspiring stories that also celebrate uh, celebrating legends. And that's something that's been so intrinsic within our culture is we sort of, as African people, we have this incredible ability to be able to tell stories and that can also just drive a sort of political or sort of, sort of social change in our um, in our storytelling. Uh, we had a, a movie called uh, Death of a Whistleblower, which is premiering at the Joburg F- Film Festival, which was directed by Joel Peary. And that is just a great example to show how films can address so many different topics such as censorship or so many so- sort of political and social issues that amplify them on such a platform. So I think it definitely can do um, such. Um, do you think there's still a big future? I mean, I think there'll always be some people who want to watch a movie together and there'll be some movies you want to do that with. And it may not be the sort of latest, incredibly boring superhero blockbuster that you want to see on a big screen. There is something uh, intimate about even watching um, a movie that's just people talking, which are usually the best movies, um, you know, with mm-hmm. lots of other people in a cinema. Um, that can be, you know, quite an interesting experience. There are independent cinemas now where people will sort of get together and watch the same movie, so friends, a family. Do you think that might be the future of cinema in a way? I will say that just like a tradition, it, it never starts off the same as it evolves over time. So I think that cinema is going to change in the way that we consume cinema and the future of cinema is probably something that we might not be able to sort of even visualize now. But as a tradition exists, it exists for a reason and it sort of maintains itself throughout years. I think cinema is still going to be very prominent. It might change in its landscape, it might change in the way that we consume it and over the past 10 years, we've seen drastic change when it comes to film and the television industry, but it still exists. We could say the same thing for so many other different mediums. It still exists. However, it just changes and might be something a lot different. So I think there's still a huge future for film and television, definitely. Lolo Pakati, thank you. Spokesperson for the Joburg Films Festival. Really do appreciate the time. 17 minutes now to nine, the time. Continue your mediated conversation this morning. Around where the film still has the same power that it did. Tinas Ferreira is a journalist who covers our film and TV industry. Tinas, good morning.
Hello there. This is all ancient history now, but there was a time when the Hollywood studios would not allow television networks in the US to show their films. They didn't want people to use a video recorder to record those films. Then they realized they could make a lot more money recycling older content on TV. Do people still watch films on TV in the way they used to? I don't know if we get the family round to watch the new premiere of an of a brand new movie on TV anymore. No, sadly, unfortunately not. We want everything quicker, faster, shorter. The cricket needs to be played over a shorter amount of time. We don't want to go even and stand in the queue in the shopping mall or in the shop. We want to do deliver it uh, by motorcycle. We want to watch a one-minute TikTok. So sadly, no. To like get everyone to sit down and watch a one-and-a-half-hour or two-hour movie is uh, becoming much more scarce. Um, does it mean that people also aren't watching TV and films together? They're watching them on their own more often? Yeah, so exactly as what you already said, how difficult it is to get a- actual seats filled inside cinemas. The same thing is happening at home as well. Look at when you're going to an event, going to a restaurant or whatever, and you're four people sitting in that restaurant. Are people even still looking at each other? No, we're all looking down on our four individual devices. Or when we're standing around, we're looking at our devices. So the same thing happens inside the home, inside the car, inside the plane everyone inside their own little bubble, perfect, just like Ray Bradbury described in Fahrenheit 451. We're all there, but we're not there because it's us in a screen. So uh, inside the house, everyone's watching their own sort of curated stream for them on their service, on their device, each in our own sort of uh, bubble. Do movies still bring a big audience when they're shown on TV? And I remember... It's sort of not a great memory, but I remember, I forget the name of the movie, but it was about an outbreak of a of a pandemic just as we were dealing with the outbreak of a pandemic. <laughs> and everybody watched that. But I mean, those moments seem, those moments of a movie being shown on TV and being an event seem very few and far between now. Is that partly because of the way in which the, a TV series, their production values have gone up by so much? Uh, well... Sort of, yes. And also because the studios don't want to take that risk anymore of being original. So they run on what they think the audience, uh, the uh, the built-in audience already exists for. So we'll get like another Tom Cruise. We'll get another Fast and the Furious. If you look at what we have at the cinema this year, I won't even mention, but it's all basically numbers, meaning all sequels, prequels. Um Everything has a two or four, or there's even an 11 behind it that's coming up this year. So those kinds of things get the uh, uh, feet into the cinema or into the movie, and it's a business. They want to make money, so they risk averse. They don't want to do uh, give us new things and do new types of stuff. And then that leads to like even lower box office revenue. So it's sort of a, a vicious cycle of like, more bad movies uh, catering for like the lowest common denominator to try and get the biggest audience, but then people don't buy it, they don't buy the ticket, and then they sort of just keep making more Kung Fu Panda 4, Despicable Me 4, Saw 11. Uh, we're getting another Planet of the Apes, Beverly Hills Cops, another Alien. 
this year. So yeah, just sort of like sad. And it's not also as if the uh, the bulk of the television is really getting better. It's also just housewives, reality, heightened reality, soaps. So you really need to, it's very cookie cutter and you need to almost, I don't know how you do it. It's my job to do it, but uh, how your ordinary person is supposed to sift through all of this content clutter is really an almost impossible task to do. There was a time when it looked like um, some big film stars were moving into actually going into a series. And we saw that a few times. Um, and what that meant was that those series, uh, those television series, began to sort of create moments of their own. I have to say, I, I can think of many examples of scenes from movies that have stuck with me. I find it actually much harder to think of scenes on in television series productions that have stuck with me. And I don't know why that is. Um, but it would seem to me that maybe television still just doesn't quite get to the same power or production value of a movie. It's sort of because there's just more of everything and too much of everything. It's the same as if you go down the aisle in the your favorite shop to go and buy cereal. If there's three choices, you kind of can walk out of there and still remember those three choices. But there's over 20, although they still all come from just three companies. It's just a blur of color and image and brand. This, we're so saturated with video content or just content in general from the internet and on television, radio, that when you used to go and watch something maybe like Shawshank Redemption, it had an impact on you. When you went and watched maybe uh, Rocky or uh, whatever film, it had an emotional resonance on you. Now it's just one of 500 things being um, released in, in any given week. So for any one of those things to really grab you and stand out and make an impression in an attention and attention economy where time is so little and you have to give attention to so many more things and this thing that's constantly has like updates and notifications and whatever in your pocket it really has fried our brain so you you don't really remember a movie anymore or a scene from television anymore because it's just sort of like the next hit the next hit and now you check your whatsapps now your emails now this at the end of the day that moment that you watched feels like it was a year ago Tina Ferreira, thanks very much indeed. Journalist covering our film and TV industry. In a moment, Ayanda Sashi Wigsell on the rise of social media. You with SAFM leading the conversation 10 minutes to 9. Mediated conversation on SAFM. Seven minutes to nine. The time continuing mediated conversation this morning around whether or not movies still have power. Let's look at the power of social media now. Ayanda Sashi Wigsell the social and political commentator and freelance journalist. Ayanda, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning to you, Stephen, and good morning to all of the SAFM listeners. We see so many short clips on social media all of the time. I mean, do these have a big impact on people? I mean, often it's cats. Often it's, you know, uh, something that someone's seen from a CCTV footage or something bad happening to someone. They must be having an influence on people on a continual basis. Absolutely, they are. Um, clips as short uh, from 20 seconds up to one minute have an insurmountable 
amount of impact. Um, as, as the previous speaker, um, Mr. Tinnis, pointed out, that people actually do not have enough time to consume um, large amounts of content in the short amount of time that we have. We have to catch up with the news. We need to catch up with our family members. We need to check up on our other social media apps, such as Instagram and, and, and Facebook. So the idea of, of, of having um, clips as short as 10 seconds, as short as, as 20 seconds, but they're able to pack as much of a punch as what content that is as is, is, is 90 minutes would do is something that is incredible. And what is showing is, is there's an evolution um, in, in the creative industry. There's a, an evolution in the entertainment industry and the way it is that content is being consumed um, by, by, by audiences. And so social media does play a huge role in this change that comes um, into the film industry and to the television industry as well. Um, it's viewed by billions of people and sort of all the time. It's sort of kind of always on. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it get a bit boring after a while? It's just like, ah, so what? You know, uh, someone's going to run into a dustbin. So what? You would think, right? You would think that seeing, seeing, seeing something that is repetitive would be boring. But because the content is so different and so diverse, you're consistently seeing different things all the time, depending on which side of, of, of social media that you're on. So, so there's, no, there's no like one linear um, sort of way in which um, these different social media apps actually work because it's, it's, it's different algorithms that will be attracted towards different, um, different individuals. So, for example, for me, I'm skewed more towards on the political side because of my job as, as as a journalist so a lot of the content that i will be seeing on my facebook on my instagram on on on, on twitter x and on tiktok will be primarily um from 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 influencers and and from from content creators who are who are skewed towards the political end of of creating content but they are for example my niece she would have content that um is, has 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 k-pop um artists and 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 influences my nephew he loves things that are that that, that involve um all things japanese culture so anime, manga, these are the things that he would find on his social media algorithm. So it's different for everybody. So it's never one thing that is the same, but it's something that is attractive to those different individuals who are using those social media platforms. Um, it's interesting because it's not really sort of produced. And yet you get a sense, I mean, in, you know, 70 years ago, the most famous people on the planet were often film stars, sort of Hollywood bias there. Um, are any of these people becoming big celebrities in their own right, people who produce this on a regular basis? They are garnering social capital. I wouldn't necessarily, yes, I'd say that they're celebrities, but a lot of the time it's the amount of social capital that they have garnered on these social platforms that give them the same amount, if not more influence than celebrities who, who who became celebrities through the old organic way of of, of rising up the ranks if you become an actor uh, or, or, or an actress if you end up on on traditional forms of of mainstream media such as television um film and radio but now because that is changing with the advent of the internet and the advent of social media we are seeing influences actually becoming garnering more social capital so um and honestly speaking Stephen, i wouldn't be on safm if it wasn't for the social media presence that I had garnered and worked on um, to make sure that um, the people who, 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 are, who, who are in power will be able to see that I'm able to do the job that I am doing. It is such a huge and powerful tool in order to amplify those who otherwise would not be seen in the traditional mainstream spaces of, tradi- of, of traditional media. So yes, um, celebrities are important, but influencers are, be- are becoming just as important because they're also garnering just as much social capital. 
Um, what are they using the social capital for? Well, obviously, some of them are using it to make money. Of course. Of course. At the end of the day, we all need to make a living. But a lot of celebrities and a lot of people with influence use their social capital for different things. For example, Angelina Jolie is a UN uh, peace, uh, a United Nations peace ambassador. Um, also, she, she does a lot of work with UNICEF. You have a lot of other celebrities, such as um, rapper Gigi Lemayne, who has her own who, her, her own foundation. We have um, other rappers, um, such as Shoma Josie, who also has a book who, um, that has been released. She has a hair extension line, which also teaches young young black girls how to love the hair that grows out of their own skulls. And so we have a lot of people that use their social capital for different things. Of course, we have celebrities and influencers that use their social capital for nefarious means, which is what we have currently been seeing right now in the audio space and the, and, and the podcast space, which is why we have the laws which we have in this country in order to protect um, 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 the, 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 the public at large if they seem to be inciting any violence because we know that social um, social capital can 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 have um, can can have that 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 indirect result so we have the laws in place in order to protect society at large but in general most people use their social capital to make sure that they themselves are protected monetarily and also they use their resources to help people Thank you very much indeed. Really appreciate the time. I understand she works as a social and political commentator and freelance journalist. My thanks also to Tina Ferreira, a journalist covering our film and TV industry. And starting us off today, Lol Wertopakati, the spokesperson for the Joburg Film Festival. Well, there is going to be a lot going on on SAFM this morning. As you know, Kathy, of course, will be next. So there'll be a lot there. We, as a team... Sansa doesn't know this, so I'm going to go and find the chocolate cake that is in my cabinet, and we're going to put some candles on it, and wish him a happy birthday this 29th of February, this leap year day in the year 2024.